You're listening to Epic Catharsis, Storytelling Do's and Don'ts, the podcast where an expert and an in-law discuss storytelling and how it could lead you to catharsis. Hello, I am your host, Kelly. And I'm your host, Tyler. And today we're talking about DC movies directed by Zack Snyder. We kind of wanted to, with the release of the new Justice League that he redid this week, we kind of wanted to take a look back at his older works, not specifically looking at the current film, um, and kind of see how his influence over the entire franchise has kind of directed the last, what, five, six, seven years? Um, I think the first superhero sort of movie that he did was actually Watchmen in 2009. I don't know if we're counting that one, though. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of the DC Universe, um, their movie stuff. And honestly, I think that's kind of what got him into the driver's seat of taking over the DCEU because he worked with DC before. They said, we like you and we want you to kind of spearhead everything. And for the most part, his stuff has actually been relatively well well relatively well received by the um i don't know professional community for movies would you say yeah for the most part i think he he averages you know kind of around that high 70s to you know mid 80s range which i mean is respectable for films and it's very very average and above average for some films um most of the marvel stuff stays in the 80s to low 90s um is like Rotten Tomato score or like what do you mean? What's what's eighties to nineties? Oh yeah, yeah, the Rotten Tomato score. That's that's kind of what the uh, I guess the industry standard is in a way. Um, and I say that kind of in two parts. I think the actual industry um, kind of standpoint of where they gauge everything is through the you know the trusted directors and listening to what they say, and an actual studio will listen to that. But whenever they promote things for marketing, they go off Rotten Tomatoes because, I mean, a percentage is easy for the masses to understand. Yeah. And actually, I do have those percentages for all of his um, movies pulled up. Oh, awesome. So Watchmen got a 65%. Man of Steel got 56%. Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice got a 29%, which is, you know, no surprise. Justice League got a 40%, and uh, the Snyder Cut, which we may talk about in a later uh, later episode, got a 74%. Okay, so obviously I completely misjudged um, his Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, Barely middling. Yeah, they... Uh... The score does take into account not only critics, and when I say critics, I mean... People that Rotten Tomato judges and says, you watch a lot of movies, so we trust your opinion, versus, you know, just the random movie sayer or movie goer that picks it up and says, I want to get on this app and rate this movie. So it kind of is a, is a mix of the both of them, but usually when it's below 70, you can tell that the critics kind of agree that it wasn't perfect at yeah. all. And uh, I think his most wins in a film were for wonder woman um but his most well-received movie 
I don't think it even takes place in the DC universe. It was Dawn of the Dead, actually. Yeah, no, that's not um, part of the DC universe. Yeah. But I think that it's interesting that you brought up the fact that his most wins is with Wonder Woman. Because what a lot of people didn't know is that even though he's took he stepped away from the director role of Justice League, you know, in the middle of filming it, Josh Whedon took over, he still was part of the producers and kind of one of the figureheads leading the, the series and stuff and the movies that were trying to come out, you know, all the different, the Cyborg and the Flash movies that were trying to be made that haven't been made yet. Um, but also with Wonder Woman, you know, he was in there with what Patty Jenkinson's ear kind of telling her, this is what we need to do. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, I think what we wanted to talk about is how you can see his influence over everything. Yeah. I guess before we move on, I guess I'm going to, I would like to mention what those wins are for, for Wonder Woman. Um, so he won best science fiction or fantasy movie movie at Dragon Awards, but he shared that with Patty Jenkins, uh, Alan Heinberg and Jason Fuchs. I, I hope that's how you pronounce it, because I'm not going to do it the other way. <laughs> um, top 10 films of the year from the American Film Institute, which he shared with Charles Roven, Richard Suckle, and Deborah Snyder. I think his wife produces like most of his stuff. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where all these producers kind of just get all together the same award. Yeah, and then um, Best Dramatic Presentation for a Long Form, uh, also shared with Patty Jenkins, Alan Heinberg, and Jason Fuchs, so... That's such a fancy name for an award. Best Dramatic Presentation, Long Form. The Hugo Awards, that one was from. I don't know if I would call him a successful director, despite the big names he has directed. I mean, well, I guess let me just go ahead and throw my opinions on the floor real quick before we get too deep into this. I'm not a big fan of his directing style and his choices for movies. Um, whenever you look at somebody like Kevin Feige, somebody who's a figurehead or John Favreau for the Star Wars uh, stuff right now on Disney Plus, you see somebody who is the is has taken a step back and is the creative head and is kind of saying, okay, this is the vision, but we're gonna let each individual director kind of have their look to it, um, and their style and their feel to it, um. And so, like, Zack Snyder's vision for his films are okay, and I get what he's trying to do, but I think it's a style that just doesn't really fit for me. It's honestly, it goes back to, it goes back to the comics. You know, he's obviously a fan and he obviously knows his comics, but I feel like we are in, we have been in this rut since the seventies, ever since a comic came, came out called The Dark Knight. And it got this huge tonal shift in the comic industry where it was an older Batman. After his retirement, he was coming back, and Frank Miller wrote it, and he wrote it in a way that was so dark and gritty that it had never been done with Batman before. Um, and it just really t- changed the tone of Batman and then everything in comics. So now everything is dark and gritty and not fun or joking, and it just... it it's kind of transitioned into the movies and I'm personally, I'm over it. You know, that's the one thing that I do love about the Marvel movies is they give you a laugh every once in a while. I don't agree with all the laughs and I don't think they all should be in there, but I think that, you know, at least they do try to make me laugh. Yeah. I think where his movies got especially like cringy was when he tried too hard to be something that he's not. Yeah, absolutely. 
Because, I mean, Marvel is its... The Marvel Cinematic Universe is a monster. And it's its own thing. And Taika Waititi doing what he did... He's a special guy, like, and he has a very special style. And to try to emulate that and fall so flat with, like, Justice League was, I don't know, a huge stain on his career. The biggest problem, and, and so we have to, we kind of have to take away the original Justice League. Um, obviously, the Snyder Cut is what his true vision for everything was. But when you look at the theatrical release of Justice League back in, geez, was it already 2016? Is it really five years ago? 2017? Geez. 2017, Uh, yeah. Yeah, four years ago. Geez. When you look back at that film, he had to step away for family issues. Um, Something tragic happened with his daughter, and he had to step away from the film. And when he did that, they brought the, the studio, Warner Brothers, brought in Josh Whedon. And, of course, Josh Whedon did The Avengers, so everybody said, perfect. Well, you have a film that was 95% you know, shot and filmed and almost completed by this dark, tonal guy. And then Josh Whedon came in, and he's like, well, I'm the fun guy. And their personalities clashed. And so whenever Josh Whedon took this film, he basically cut it the way that he wanted to, put a bunch of jokes in there, reshot a bunch of stuff. And that's why it feels like it's two different films. And it's, it's a mess because they brought in another director. And instead of him saying, I'm going to keep the vision that Snyder had, Josh Whedon came in and said, I'm going to make this my movie. And that did not go over well. So I don't really blame Zack Snyder for justice league theatrical version. Now the jury is obviously going to still be out on the Snyder cut. True. Neither is the reason we're not talking about the Snyder Cut for those of you at home is because we haven't watched it yet. It's it's a long movie and we just haven't carved out the time. I haven't carved out the time to watch it. I myself. think it's like six parts and yeah. like four plus hours long. It's 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 a long sitting, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. I'm gonna need a lot of popcorn. So question for you, did you did did you actually watch the Watchmen film that he did? Long time ago. when it, Maybe when it came out. So long ago that I really don't remember it. But I, in a way, that speaks for itself. So I think it's interesting because that... Yeah, I mean, it, it's not really memorable. And even though I know that I'm getting you, I think, to try to read the Watchmen comics... I, I'm, um, I've started it. And I, I did watch the Watchmen television series that recently came out, which was fantastic. And it's it's amazing content, one of the best comics ever made, one of the best stories ever made. Um, but whenever you look at his film, I think what everybody loved about it was that how, and it, that one was supposed to be dark and gritty, and that's why the tone is okay to be dark and gritty, because the comic is that way, so you throw that in there, and it's like, cool, I'm getting what I wanted. I'm just personally tired of Batman being dark and gritty. But when you looked at the Watchmen movie, it was so accurate to the comics that everybody was like wow this guy can take something that has been done before and reformat it in a visual way and it's successful and we love it however i think it's the perfect epitome of his style because everything is to the t except for the ending of the movie the part where you're supposed to at the edge of your seat get all the answers 
and you get the flip and the, the emotions there and everything, it just falls flat. The ending just doesn't pack the punch, and it feels like once you get to the end of the movie, you watch the whole thing and you're like, yeah, I'm just as confused as when I read the comic, and you feel like, hey, I don't think that Zack Snyder understood this because he didn't actually give me an ending that made sense, which was weird because he got the rest of the book right. It was like he was taking it at such face value that he didn't understand the purpose of the book. And that's kind of, to me, what translates to all of his other movies in the DC universe. Just staying surficial and not really digging into why these characters and plots and subtexts are the way they are. Yeah, pretty much. I guess that makes I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I haven't dug too deep into him because you know I'm not the expert. I just watch movies to be entertained, and if I'm not, I move on. But I can see where yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, even not as an expert, I mean, you can look at it, and like you said, you don't even remember Watchmen. I mean, it's not memorable because, I mean, there's no final act to be like, oh my gosh, I remember that. You know, even though the Transformers films are not the best made movies out there, we will always remember them because those set action pieces, (laughs) they blew up a city. I mean, it's, you can't really forget that, you know what I mean? Yeah, true. And did you, did you personally, or let me ask you this. What were your feelings whenever you watched Man of Steel for the first time and you got to the end and saw everything? Hmm. If you can um, remember. Let's see. I, this, so Man of Steel was sort of about, um, it was the introduction of Zod and how Zod and Jor-El kind of butt heads over mining on Krypton, right? Yes, it was. Okay. Um, I really liked the casting of the Kents, including Superman. I thought him and Amy, Amy, I thought, um... Henry Cavill and Amy Adams were good together. The score was fantastic because you can't go wrong with Hans Zimmer. Um, But other than that, like, I thought the effects were good. But again, I just don't necessarily remember it all that well. Do you remember the big climax of the end wherever Superman, you know, has Zod... And Zod is going to kill a bunch of people, or he says that he's never going to stop killing until Earth has become Krypton, and he's killed all the humans. And Oh, that whole, like, monologue that really didn't make any sense? Well, not just the monologue, but whenever Superman sits there and breaks Zod's neck. Well, it was very anticlimactic. Well, I think it's not only anticlimactic, it's, to me, it... Does it? That's a, the perfect example of him not understanding a character. And I understand that every writer of a character in comic world um, has their own take on a character because essentially comic book writing is fan fiction. I think that could be a different episode because I think that's interesting to t- think about. Do you mean um, 
that Superman wouldn't just go up and break this dude's neck. So he had a completely misunderstand. He misunderstood completely who Superman was. I just don't think that Superman would have done that. I think that when you look at the character, and obviously he created a Superman version that would do that. But when you look at the traditional Superman that we see, yes, there have been instances where he caused the death of people, whether it be in the original Superman 2, I believe it was, when he let Zod fall down the ice cavern, or in the comics he has, you know, chose not to save somebody. Um, but those are very inadvertent killings in a way you know this is much more personal i mean he's you know almost ripped the guy's head off his body um and outside of the comics where he you know superman turns bad it's just a very very violent act for superman and for him to supposed to be the symbol of peace and hope and i think i i understand what he was trying to do he was trying to give us a version of superman that now has to live with this 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 sin that he's done and he has to live with that for the rest of his life and try to grow from that and we see him struggling with that almost like in a mental illness type of way but the problem is is that whenever we see superman in later films he's not struggling with that he's still the same you know scared superman that we see that doesn't trust in himself doesn't trust in others almost and it feels like when you you're you're trying to give me that character development at the end of this film, it doesn't translate to his other works. And especially whenever Zack Snyder's in charge of those works, Batman v Superman being the number one thing, it feels cheap. It feels like I've wasted my time with both movies and with a character, and it feels like he doesn't understand Superman. Yeah, I mean, on top of that, um. It feels like Zack Snyder has something against Superman because he's always taken Superman is always taken in, you know, his like typical heroic perspective, but it's always overlain even even slightly to overtly as villainous. Like this guy is an alien who has the power to kill everybody. Why is he here? He died and came back to life, and now he's a murderous, raging monster. There's always some negative spin on Superman. It's not just Zack Snyder. I mean, they've been doing that in the comics for the last, it feels like, ten years. I guess, I mean, that's, I guess that's true. The hate on Superman, I just don't understand it. And And honestly, when it comes to me, when I think of a Superman story that's supposed to be a certain way, or not supposed to be a certain way, but the best effectiveness of a story. I look at a Superman story where, like right now, all we have are Superman stories where he has to become the better version of himself, and he has to become more human. But when you read the Superman stories and the intention of the character in the 30s and 40s, whenever he debuted, he wasn't supposed to be more human. He was supposed to be, you know, basically this alien I, I want to say godlike, but I, I don't know if that's exactly the right term for it. He's supposed to be this symbol of hope. He is supposed to be changing others. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, there's different ways of telling a character's story and journey in a movie. And typically we look at characters like Obi-Wan Kenobi or others who change other characters for the better. Why can't we have a Superman story where even though he's the main focus... You know, Jimmy Olsen 
um, Lois Lane, the other characters around him, they become better. Maybe he turns a villain from being a villain to being a hero because of who he is, what he believes, his morals, his standards. And I just don't think well, we have that. I disagree, actually. And I think we have that in the in the in Smallville, the TV show. Have you watched it? Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I haven't finished it, but I think I watched the first four or five seasons. And I, I think that they started out like what I was talking about, but I think that the, you know, by what the second or third season, they really go into what you're talking about. And I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Absolutely. It's in the beginning of Smallville, Kal-El has to figure out how to be Clark Kent. Once he does that, he needs to figure out how to be Superman and, or Maybe not even figure out, but he begins to transform into Superman. But his whole life, he's just a really good person, you know, good moral farm boy growing up in where, Kentucky or something? And Kansas, yeah, I think so. Kansas. And he just makes an impact on those around him for being like a good person, just striving to be better. So it's a definitely a good show. We should do we should do an episode on that once one of these. I'd days. love to do that. I mean, because yeah. for me, that's I think that's why Smallville is so critically acclaimed. I mean, I think that's the per, one of the perfect stories of Superman. There's some really annoying stuff that they did, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do an episode on that. For sure. For but sure. last last thing I do want to talk about is his influence, like we were talking about with Wonder Woman, uh, his influence on these other films. Because whenever we heard the kind of the rumors about the the flash movie that was coming out his future versions of justice league and what we saw with wonder woman even though wonder woman stylistically was really well done with patty jenkins taking board on that and just giving us an amazing movie we see a a little bit of the darkness and the that strange world that zack snyder was trying to build come through into that movie but again you know whenever he takes a step back the movie seems to work and wonder woman is easily hands down the best movie in the dceu with shazam being a very close second i really like shazam i i would almost put that above wonder woman just because i hated who they casted for Ares. I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. See, what I heard with that, so this is the rumor that I heard. I heard that Patty Jenkins had this whole like third act and that she was going to be fighting some, you know, she was supposed to be fighting the professor, or not the professor, but that that doctor who was creating the the serum and stuff, and she was going to be fighting the military. And it was supposed to be some big, huge battle at the end. Dr. Poison, maybe, was her name? I don't remember. But anyway, it was the studio and partly Zack Snyder who told her that she had to put in that big CGI fight at the end. And that's why whenever you get to that fight, you're like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Now, if Ares was just him, was just the actor, and the character was just there for... You know, the few scenes here and there, but we never had the big fight. I would have been okay with the casting. Yeah, it's but yeah, just, CGI was just dumb. Um, David Thewlis is the actor. And I don't necessarily think it's fault. It's his fault that he just looks like a dad. But, yeah. like, <laughs> it's you're putting this gangly, 
thin, old, dad-looking dude to play the god of war. And it's just, it's, you're immersed in the movie, and then that happens, and then terrible CGI happens because budgets or whatever, and then you're just totally sucked out of the movie in that instance. You think of God of War, and you think of not only Kratos in the video games, but you also think of, you know, somebody who could physically lead the the armies of, you know, warriors in the battle, and... This version of Ares, he comes in and he's like, oh, yeah, I just manipulate everything and make everybody hate each other and they he fight for me. play like the god of typewriters or something, but not yeah, the like, god of war. <laughs> it just, it does not work at all. Yeah. And I think he's a wonderful actor. I'm not, I'm not saying anything against him. Oh, no. He, I mean, he was incredible in Harry Potter. I mean, he's one of the best characters. I mean, I he's, very he's much a great agree. actor. I just think it was a disservice to him and the movie to cast him as that particular role and make him do all that stuff, that poor man. Definitely. Don't be mad at me, guys. It's just how I feel. So we've talked a little bit here about Zack Snyder and his influence on the early DCEU movies. And obviously the jury is still out on the Snyder Cut. We are going to get to it eventually. But until then... We wanted to talk about his influence, and we want to hear from you guys. Do you love you some Zack Snyder? Did you not know he directed all of these things to begin with? What are your thoughts? Make sure to hit us up on our social media accounts. And again, I don't know if we talked about this at the beginning, but it's glad to have you back, Kelly. Ah, yes. Sorry for being away. I missed it. But uh, family first. You know how it is. But thank you guys for listening to this episode of Epic Catharsis. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Epic Catharsis. Check us out at our website, www.epiccatharsis.com, or you can check out our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram pages and let us know what you thought. We'll be back Wednesday, so don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. Okay, bye!